listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. So the college football playoff rankings come out. Obviously, Georgia, number one, no change, no surprise. The only undefeated Power 5 team. Michigan, not really a surprise at number two. I think that was pretty expected. Alabama, three, even though they got a close win. Well, no, I mean, Alabama can't, even though they got a close win, which implies maybe they should drop. Uh, well, no, I'm saying they're still they're still in the top three. Okay, well, they are. That's, should, should they be? I think so. Okay, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how. The fact is, this is what? How many games in a row? Pop up their schedule for me with the spreads, McKenzie, last three or four games. Obviously, LSU, they didn't come close. What were they? About 21 points yeah. off their, their number. What was the Auburn number? Uh, I want to say it was, I mean, it was well into double, just 17, maybe. You don't remember the I don't number remember from last now. week? <laughs> I don't. But that, wow. But okay, I can might, tell you that they went to. fish oil on that one. They went to overtime and won by two. Okay, so it wasn't close. No. Okay. I guess the spread was. They weren't close. close to covering the spread, right. no. So now we're talking like five touchdowns they've fallen short in the last two weeks. So we'll go back a couple more, but that doesn't affect. Hey, they got one loss. They're the highest ranked one loss team. Well, of course, well, I guess Michigan's right above them. And, but there's a lot of one-loss teams here, right? Notre Dame, <laughs> o- Oklahoma State. But it, there's no consideration of them, even though I would make the case Alabama. How many times have they exceeded expectations in a major way? Defining expectations as the point spread, how often have they exceeded it in a major way? Not very many, uh, and not many at all, if any, since the first half of the season. The se- since their loss, things have not been as, as solid for Alabama. The loss to Texas a so they, they've been getting by, but not covering spreads. So they sit at number three, Cincinnati at four, Oklahoma State at five, and one loss Notre Dame at six. And I think we can fairly say those are the only six teams that matter at this point in the season. Okay, so as we, uh, I guess the the Auburn game we just talked about, the LSU game we talked about, the Arkansas game Arkansas was the game, they were laying twenty one effectively. And you know, twenty and a half, and they won by seven. So now we're talking about seven touchdowns. Now they've fallen short. If they would score just seven more touchdowns, they would have <laughs> met expectation. I, I mean, it really is like almost impossible to find a scenario that you could say this team, like if this wasn't Alabama. If it wasn't for the laundry, if it wasn't for the pedigree, which we respect that off season. We're not supposed to say, yeah, you won four years ago, so you're supposed to get treat better treatment today. That's not America, as far as I know. And if it is, it's the part of America that most people don't like. They were 29-point favorites against LSU. They won by six, Alabama. 29 point. And they were down, what, 10 nothing. Late in that game yeah. against Auburn, they they, or they were down ten three with less than a minute to go in the game. Okay, <laughs> so give them credit for the win. We're not going to act, but the idea that that when Cincinnati is laying twenty one, they win by fourteen. Everyone's like, going, oh, hey, see, I told you they weren't any good. And it's like oh, it's a double standard. It's it, and it's rigged. And you know what? The committee won't even tell you what their criteria is. Imagine something that you care about where someone else is going to make a decision about you. It might be, is this club going to let you become a member? Are you going to get into the union, electrician's union, whatever the thing that you might want or have wanted. And imagine that the person making the decision, you suspect they're against you for whatever reason. 
Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but you think, I'm not sure if this person's going to give me a fair shot, or is this committee going to give me a fair shot? Isn't the starting point of assessing that, knowing what the criteria is, what are the decision-making elements? When you apply to college, how's your GPA? How's your SAT? How's your extracurriculars? Whatever it is, you're supposed to know what it's about. What I defy anyone, including the president, chairman, whatever, of the committee, to explain to me the criteria for picking these teams. AJ, you've been an observer of it. What is the criteria? I've got no idea. And you know what? That is by design. They don't want you to have an idea. You know why? Because then they can do whatever they want. Yeah. And they, you know, so now we got. I, have you ever heard of a situation where a coach leaving hurt a team's ranking in the playoffs? I, I don't remember that ever being the case. I don't think we've ever had a coach leaving who was a candidate to, to make the playoff. Like I, at this point in the season, I don't think there was someone who was a real playoff contender like Notre Dame is whose coach left. Okay. But we could make the case that Kiffin was leaving. Alabama as a coordinator, and yes. to whatever degree, and I'm not saying that's the same thing, but I'm saying to whatever degree the head coach affects things, the coordinator affects things 30% as much, maybe? I think that's probably fair. That's about the range. Okay, so if it's worth it, that if the coach is leaving, that's one unit of whatever negative they're going to put on it. Well, having a coordinator leaving might be a third of a unit, but you know what? We didn't hear that, did we? No. Okay, but now for whatever reason, and I think part of the reason that they won't—they don't want Notre Dame in the playoffs now. All of a sudden, they become the team they don't want. Is the fact that it will perpetuate the conversation about Kelly leaving? This movement in college football is not good for a vast majority of schools. I truly believe that because what's going to happen is the rich get richer. Right? Is USC's rich? We can say financially, we can say in brand, we can say in power, whatever it is, USC is a, Colin right here in FSR said, top two program. I'm not sure who the other one is in that list, but let's call it top five. Now the question becomes, Notre Dame no longer is a top five. So, relatively, the less rich losing, the richer gaining. Now, that's always been the case from time immemorial, as Tony Soprano would say, from way back. But it's more so now. We, the idea that we're going to actually have a viable Big 12, we won't. It's over. Why? Because the rich, the SEC, said, oh, we're going to go pluck the two. So imagine in high school, right? You had a couple good-looking girls in the class, maybe if you're in a small town that you liked. You know, everyone's got their own taste. And then the other town does. Imagine if this guy drove through town like the. This could be like an '80s teen movie, picking up the. He's like, "You, you, you get to come up and live up here in in, in a rich town." And imagine they're going, ah! and they're running, packing up, and then the poor guys are sitting there watching the bus drive away. Yeah. Imagine. I mean, that might cause a war, but I mean, what? I mean, a battle between. <laughs> what was that uh, Swayze movie where he was the uh, bartender? Roadhouse. Yeah, it'd be like a Roadhouse type yeah. battle. But, <laughs> but there, <laughs> and then the dude with the bum legs always dragging it around, but somehow he was kicking butt. That's what's happening here. The best conferences are gobbling up the other teams, and the best schools are gobbling up the best coaches and the best players. Like back in the day, Larry Bird went to Indiana State. No, he went to Indiana originally. He didn't like it. He went to Indiana State, which was not a power school, right? Well, he got really good. He got better. 
he was him and Magic best players his senior year. Imagine if after one and a half years or two years he would have went. I'm going back to Bobby Knight in Indiana. That in a way that might have been better for Larry Bird. I don't know, but it certainly wasn't better for the idea of the dream that hey, we're going to get this guy that's a three star recruit, not a five. But you know what? He might become a five. But if he does, he leaves. Is that what we want? That seems like what we have. Well, and that's happening in every college sport now. College basketball with the transfer portal opening. If you got a good player, guess what? This offseason, they transferred up almost to, up. to a man. That was a great way of saying it. Up. Yeah, to a power five or a power six for college basketball purposes. But that's the way that the college sports are going now with the, the more freedom to transfer, which is good we for the players. Free, we can call it freedom. Is it good for the players? I think on the surface, you could say yes. And make that case, and then I'll counter it. I mean, the players being able to capitalize on their success. A coach can leave at any time he wants mm-hmm. where he thinks the pastures are greener. If a player thinks he's got a better chance to make it to the NBA or make it to the NFL somewhere else, mm-hmm. then he should have the right to, to make that move. So, did you... I, I felt like I followed and agreed with most everything you said to the end, the right... Right is so before this because this was not even a something that's within the realm of conversation five years ago. Yeah, you had to sit out a year to transfer at all, and all that being out the window has made guys more willing to just go where they want to be. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Now the question becomes: Is is it good for the players in the following? When you're a kid, you're capricious. You make quick decisions. You, you know, it, 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 and you're erratic might be the better word. You're erratic in your decision making. Is maybe there's a hybrid? And again, I'm not trying to solve this because I don't know all the details. I'm kind of asking you. Now, can you leave? Like, could a player leave right now? And how soon could he be playing with another school in basketball? They could. They could leave now. Play with them next season. Okay, so they can't, they couldn't play within the season. Can't transfer within season. Okay, and up to what point in, let's say, basketball could you have transferred and been eligible this year? Could you have transferred a week before the season? I, I think there, I, I don't know the exact there's, cutoff there's date. A there bit is of a cushion, but not much. Right. Okay. Well, go ahead. I, I, thinking of, about a, an example of this was Jalen Hurts. Once he got benched at Alabama, he realized my best path to the NFL is not being the backup quarterback at Alabama. So it's a good thing for him that he was able to go to Oklahoma and get himself drafted. Now you can make the same point is when Mac Jones comes in and and Atua looks good. It's like well because Mac Jones was ready to play that year he didn't play under Atua because he was in what two games if yep. I remember looked just fine. Now if he wouldn't if he would have transferred then he wasn't at Alabama. Listen. I'm not going to overmake that case because generally I think from the player's perspective they do benefit from freedom. The question becomes what about the sport? Now we might say okay should the sport matter more than the players playing the sport? Well for the future players yeah. If the sport I mean let, let's think of an example of uh Hmm, I was going to say baseball, but you know MLB still does all right, but they've obviously trended down. Sure. But they're still millionaires, so it's hard to complain. But imagine a scenario that college football is significantly less popular in 10, 15, 20 years. All of a sudden, now all of those players are suffering. Can we sit here and say we know that, and thus we can? Probably not. So I'm not sure there is a, a, a better solution. But what I know is this: typically. If it's nature, if it's survival of the fittest, power begets power. 
strength begets strength. And thus, the, in business, if, if Microsoft back in the 90s is rolling, they're going to gobble up all the best engineers and everything. And you know what? They're going to become so big that the government's going to have to say, antitrust time, they're going to step in and try to make them smaller. I, I, do we try to do we say Alabama's going to get better because of this? USC is going to get better. LSU is going to get better. Should we say we we got to worry if there's just five teams that can win it and no one else can? Because that was what I thought we were complaining about just about a year or two ago. It feels like this is going to make it worse. I, I think you're right, and I think that when you talk about is this a good thing for the sport? I think just like anything else in this world or in this country. The rule that gets made, the people who it helps love it, the people who it hurts but it hate hurt, it. But it hurts a majority of schools. It hurts all but a handful of schools. It, but does it hurt the majority of college football fans? Well, that's it, the question. Because well, are, the, are I mean, most the, college football fans Ohio State fans, yeah, USC but, but fans, Oklahoma, Alabama question. fans? If we said, let's say it was going to help the top seven, and we added up all the fans of the most, po- and it's probably the most popular seven. Sure. That's not as the other 123 Division I schools have more fans, don't they? <laughs> probably. But uh, does, is it. How much more? I don't know. Right. That's the question. All right. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. So there's an example where I came in with a position. As we talked it through, I'm not sure there's a better solution. And and what I'm talking about specifically is the freedom for the players to jump to wherever they jump. And you know where they want to jump? Usually up. They want to jump up. And you know what? That makes sense. I like that generally. I like a kid who isn't the number one quarterback as a senior at a school, but he's willing to be number two because he thinks he's going to beat them out. I like that. I like a kid could be saying, hey, I'm a Baylor. I'm pretty good. I'm the best guy at Baylor. Maybe I shouldn't jump to Texas because, you know, maybe now it doesn't matter. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't jump to LSU because I might not be good enough. Those scared kids won't jump. So, in a way, I like the boldness of it. So, with the players, and in theory, the, the, the players who were best in the 80th best team, those elite players are going to jump to maybe a number 30 program. So, everything moves up. Eh, I, I kind of like it. I mean, for the fans, they're not going to get to root for that guy. I mean, it's going to—it's almost going to be like small market, right? Where oh, Kevin Dur- or Kevin Durant gets good. Oh, he has to leave now, you know, because we don't have money to pay him. Pirates get someone. Oh, they got to leave. I don't like that for the fans. Is it viable to at some point make a a second like like there's right now there's FBS and FCS. Is there is it viable to split up FBS even further where there's the well, halves? Haven't we pl- done that with the group of five? Well, that's what I'm saying. But or, like or the power five, let them let the group of five play for their own championship and let the you know I, I know it sucks for them for TV rights and things like that. But so there'd be like Division three, basically. I, I don't think anyone's gonna sign us up for that. You know, Cincinnati wants to be Division now, so I don't. But I, would you be more excited if if every week no, Ohio, because, like Ohio State's non-conference games instead of being Akron and Bowling Green are now Miami and. Texas, like, I mean, listen, yeah, I, I love the idea of the power schools playing each other, but to some degree, who's the power schools? Was Clemson a power school? Like, does Clemson ever happen again? Clemson went from being what the twenty fifth, thirtieth best NCAA program in football, like ten, or let's say pre Dabo. Where was Clemson? 
Oh, they probably 25 30 is generous. Like yeah, but okay. then now when I was a kid, Clemson was one of the best exactly. programs. Exactly. So they went but usually when a program starts going down, they don't get for back. more than 5 years, you can have 5 years, but when it's been a long long time, it's hard to get back up. Notre Dame recently got back up. Yeah. But it's hard to picture Nebraska getting back to being Nebraska. Yeah, so I guess my point is does Clemson ever happen again? Does a program who's 30 in the country, let's say year in and year out, that's their average. Do they ever get to be you know, multiple-time national champion. Because you know, with these portals, it would seem that that a a um, Deshaun Watson might have transferred out after his first good year. And does that help us? I don't think so. Well, the the, the teams that the programs that hope that that's the case: USC, Texas, Florida. Because those, yeah, once you get to the top, you want to close the mountain, right? But what I'm saying is, those teams have been in the dip. Are we saying USC, yeah. Texas, Florida can never get out of it? Well. It, but here's the thing. When you have a super elite program that's amongst the blue bloods of blue bloods, I think you've got a longer chance to come back. Because all you got to do is break out, maybe not the O.J. Simpson tape, but you break out the tape, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And you get excited. Now, when the tape starts to be grainy, and you start feeling depressed it's been so long, <laughs> it doesn't help. But USC won how many national championships in the last 20 years? Like two or three, right? Uh, two. Too. So when you've won two titles in the last twenty years, you're still not out of it yet, right? Texas was just the best. You know, Texas was literally the best recruiting team in the country yep. under Mac Brown for multiple years, not that long ago. So when the kids that were there at the school at the time are still like thirty-five, you're fine. When the kids are forty-five, now it's like, huh? I'm starting to feel sad that that's you know. So now when high school kids start to say Reggie Bush, who Vince Young, who that's when you got to. But well, that's when you got to worry if you're USC and you haven't turned it right. around, or Texas and you haven't turned it around. Last thought on this: My question is this: If you're a Virginia, does Virginia ever become a top five school in the country in, in college football? Yeah. No. Okay, but in a way, you could make the case, and maybe you could say Clemson had it. What well, Boise? Does a Boise ever emerge no. again? Does Cincinnati have what they have this year again? Probably not. So what we're saying is all of the Hoosiers type moments, the movie, are done. Yeah. The little guy has no chance. <laughs> that's what AJ Hoffman. That's what saying. I that's what I believe, yeah. <sighs> I might take the rest of it. Well, no, no, no. I'm gonna keep <laughs> You're fighting. Gonna finish it out. I'm gonna fight for the little man. I don't know if you know this, my dad's a coal miner. I've heard. I'm I'm the little man. It might not sound like it, AJ, but I am. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer, and we have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup sits starts fantasy football players rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition listen to i want your flex with mike carmen and me dan Bayer on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts the la chargers plus three at the cincinnati Bengals this weekend okay what does vegas what is vegas's take here all right this is not a hot take this is cold cash with a take is the Bengals are clearly better than the Chargers. Home field right now, I estimate for this game is only one and a half. Right? They're favored by three, and it's moving up. I don't know about you, but I think most of 
many people, most people would say Chargers, Bengals, oh, you know, Chargers might be a little better. Maybe Bengals are better, they're good lately. Maybe they're even. I don't think many people are like, oh, yeah, Bengals clearly better. Do you? No. That's what Vegas is saying. And this line's gone up, up, and up. I mean, the, the look ahead last week was one and a half. Pittsburgh gets dominated by the Bengals. Bengals look good. It opens up the world opener at two and a half, goes to three on Monday, and it's moving to th- more than three. What's your take? Joe Mixon in the last couple weeks has really given a second dimension to this Bengals offense. It was fly, fly, fly. 144 yards and two touchdowns on average the last two weeks. Now they get to play against the worst run defense per DVOA in the league. Chargers defense worn down. They can't stop anybody on third down. And this game is projected to be snow showers. I'd much prefer the running team against a team that can't stop the run mm. versus the high-flying passing team. That's a pretty good handicap. Let's do our next game. The Baltimore Ravens, minus four and a half at your Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, so this is on the road, obviously, for the ba- or for the Ravens. And you got to question Lamar Jackson. Right here, we were saying, if Lamar is able to run like he used to and pass like he was earlier this year, then this could be a Super Bowl team. But there could be the other side, I said. He can't run like he used to for whatever reason, O-line, whatever. But this passing is a mirage. Well, QBR is 50, is average in the NFL. His average QBR the last five games, one, two, three, four, five, this is over a month, is 38. He had zero games 50 or above. So how many below average games has Lamar Jackson had the last five? Five out of five passing. And QBR considers running, too. The Ravens have been winning. It's felt kind of fortunate to me. 66-yard tight field goals. I lean Pittsburgh. Georgia minus 6.5 against Alabama in Atlanta. All right, so if Alabama wins... They're in. They're in. If they lose, I hope they're out. If if there's any shame, oh wait, forget about it. There's a chance they're in even if they <laughs> lose. What's your handicap in the game? My handicap is Alabama's offense is broken right now, and the worst time to be broken is when you're about to play this Georgia team. Uh, they scored three points. Alabama did in the first 59 minutes of that game against Auburn. Auburn had allowed 84 points in their last three games. Georgia's allowed 83 all season long. This Georgia defense is dominating. They are smashing everyone, and I. I think this is a chance for Kirby Smart to kind of ride on Nick Saban. You said Auburn has given up more points, had been giving up more points in the last three games than Georgia had the whole season. Yes. That's a good stat. <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 